good morning and welcome to Alpine Church. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here and uh, honored to be with you. I can't think of a better uh, place to be on uh, the last Sunday of the year than here in West Haven, my favorite campus. I always share that. I really mean that and uh, I'm so honored to be here. Uh, Before we jump into our series, uh, I just wanted to make you aware if you have uh, students or if you are a student Uh, Every year we have a couple of awesome events that we have for for our youth students in Fusion. And so uh, right around the corner here, the first of the year in January is our Winterfest. And uh, this is just an awesome time where our kids all get together. They go to Big Canyon Ranch up in uh, on the way to Park City and just have just a a ton of fun, uh, worship and games and just an opportunity to grow in in God's word and to grow in unity. And so uh, if you're interested in that or you have a student who's interested in that, uh, you can find all of the details online on our webpage, alpinechurch.org forward slash fusion. Uh, It'll give you all of the details of the event, the dates and all those things. And so uh, Fusion is very near and dear to my heart. I was the youth pastor here many, many years ago. Uh, that's the next generation, and uh, we, we want them to love Jesus and to honor them, and uh, what, a, what a great opportunity for your kids. So please uh, make sure you get them signed up. Uh, well, today we're finishing our series uh, in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and the series has been, He Will Be Called, and, and hopefully you guys have enjoyed this series. Anybody really like this? I think it's awesome to be able to go uh, to the Old Testament and kind of look at things like prophecy that we find in Isaiah, and, and then to see that prophecy fulfilled in the life of Jesus, and, and uh, I just love, love, love that stuff. We hope that you've enjoyed it as well. Uh, this season, the Christmas season, the holiday season is like a blur, right? Uh, it just comes and goes. Here we are already at the end, uh, end of the year, beginning of, of next year, 2021. We cannot wait to tell that just that one year change. We want to forget about year 2020, right? Uh, but for those of you who love Christmas, we just want to say uh, we intentionally had three Christmas songs for you after Christmas. So for those of you who are Christmas lovers, we just did that all for you. Again, if you know me, I don't like Christmas, so bah humbug. So here we go. Uh, so uh, just, you know, there are things in our life, a lot of things in our life that just don't seem to last long enough. Uh, the holiday seasons are, are one of those things, but I mean, just think of those things in your life that you wish just lasted a little bit longer, that they didn't just fade away so fast. I mean, I can think of a few in my life, right? How about paychecks, right? We wish our paychecks lasted a little bit longer, especially around the Christmas time. Uh, how about the dreaded cell phone battery? I don't have my cell phone on me, right? But when you walk out of the house and you look down and you see that red instead of the green, that's the end of the world, right? And you're scrambling for the charger, you man, you just wish that cell phone battery lasts a little bit longer. For those of you who got the iPhone 12 for Christmas, it's supposed to last long, so you're blessed. I didn't get it. Hopefully you did. Uh, how about naps? You know, how about a Sunday afternoon nap, right? I got kids. Man, have you ever had like 10-minute nap where you're kind of in that REM sleep and you wake up and you're like, man, I wish I just had a lot more of that, right? Uh, any students in here? Students, high school, junior high students? Yeah, I see a few here. You can raise your hand. I'm going to point you out. But don't you wish that the school break lasted a little bit longer, right? That holiday break. Uh, parents, we wish school sessions lasted a little bit longer, right? As a matter of fact, I wish the school day lasted a lot longer, right? Let me have five or six more hours. Can I get an Amen. Right? We know how it is. It's things that we wish lasted a little bit longer. And you know, today we're going to take a look at something, or, or we'll say someone, uh, who actually does. Uh, you know, all of the things that fade away in our life, the things that go so quickly in our life. Today we're going to look at Jesus, our eternal Father, and He is eternal. He lasts forever. His love for us lasts 
forever. If you're just jumping in today and you're with us new to this series, uh, we're in uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and what we've been doing is we've been looking at this prophecy, the prophecy of the coming Messiah, of Jesus to come, and we're learning about uh, who Jesus was called and what the characteristics and attributes of him would be. And so we see in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we see uh, characteristics of his humanity. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest upon his shoulders. And then we quickly shift to the attributes of his deity. It says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so over the last three, two and a half-ish weeks, we've been looking at those first three, uh, and we're, today we're going to finish the series uh, with Jesus as our everlasting Father. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would show us uh, your love, your eternal love for us. God, how you give us eternal uh, purpose and joy and love. And God, you, you never end. It never fails. God, you are faithful to us. Lord, I pray that every person in this room, wherever they're at in their journey and their walk with you, maybe it's a seeker or someone who's investigating or someone who's been a, a believer for many, many years. Lord, I pray that you would give us a new heart, a new understanding of who you are as our eternal King and our eternal Father. We love you and speak to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so uh, jumping right into this specifically into Everlasting Father, I think the first thing uh, that I want us to see is this, is that when we come to this, uh, this understanding or this name, Everlasting Father, uh, it's a, translated a little bit differently. When we come to the Hebrew language, uh, it really means Father of Eternity. And so when we come to this and we see it in the English language, we see everlasting father. But when we go to the Hebrew language, we see that it's translated as something different. It really literally means that Jesus is the author of everything eternal. Now, if you've been kind of reading along with us in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we come to this passage and we, we say, okay, well, well, wait a minute. If Jesus is our everlasting father, but he's also the son, that's a bit confusing, isn't it? Like, if Jesus is our eternal Father, we thought that God was the Father, right? And, and we begin to wrap our mind around this idea of, okay, well, Jesus, he's God the Father, but he's also the Son. Like, what is this? And then we bring in the Holy Spirit, right? And so we have this, this idea of a triune nature of God. God being three separate beings, but being one in essence and purpose, and so when we look at that, we, we come to it and think, man, that's a little bit confusing, but we have to get to the original language here. We have to get to the understanding of what it really means. And so father in this use is really the author of, or authority, or founder, or creator, if you will. And so what we're seeing here is that Isaiah is using the term father, uh, not necessarily in a paternal understanding, uh, but something much greater. Uh, this is something that we would do in our day today is like the, the forefathers or the founding fathers of our nation, right? Or the founder of medicine or uh, that kind of idea. And so that's what we're seeing here. They all pioneered something, and so they're known as the fathers of or the founders of. And so really, more clearly, when we look at Jesus and we read this, we see that he is the possessor of everything eternal. He's fully God. Uh, we learned a little bit about that in, in week two. 
We see this very clearly in the New Testament in John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5. It says this, uh, the prologue, Christ the eternal word. It says, in the beginning the word, or Christ, already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. It goes on to say, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. You see, for those of you who were ever uh, confused or were questioning about the deity of Jesus being fully God, there it is right there. The Bible clearly says that Jesus was God, is God, was with God from the very beginning. And so when we look at the essence of God, uh, there is, we know with God, no beginning and no end. And so Jesus was there at the beginning because he was fully God. And he will be there in eternity because he is the author of the eternal. And so really simply put is that Jesus is the author of eternity because he invented eternity. Everything that he did was created through him. And so we look at this and we think, well, that, that's really cool. This is a prophecy and we're seeing that Jesus is God. And even though maybe our minds can't really grasp the nature of it because we're finite and God's infinite, right? But there's more to this. This, this prophecy isn't just to say, hey, God is the eternal. Really what this is saying is, is that Jesus is coming for us to experience the eternal. In fact, I believe that God created us specifically with eternity in mind, with an eternal desire, if you will. And, and you know, what I think is so humbling is when we come to this and we learn about Jesus and we begin to, to understand, it's humbling to think that the God of heaven, the God who, of heaven who is worshipped and glorified, the one true living God, loves us so much that in the midst of our sin and running away from him, he made every effort possible uh, to, for us to be in relationship with him. In, step, in, in fact, he he stepped down from heaven to earth so that we could experience a relationship with God. He lived a life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved. All so that we could be in relationship with the mighty God. And so God isn't some distant father who's kind of looking over and saying good luck. No, he sends Jesus down so we can experience his wonderful counsel as the wonderful counselor. So we can experience his mighty power in our life as our mighty God, so that our relationship with God can have peace. It can be fixed, if you will. And most important, we see that one day we will experience eternity with God the Father because he created us to be in relationship with him. And that's so humbling. You know, uh, the other thing is, is that when God created us, uh, with Jesus there in the beginning in Genesis, he said, let us create man in our image. And so if God is eternal, if he is the eternal father, he gives us an understanding and a desire for the eternal. We read about this in Ecclesiastes 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 11. It says that he has planted eternity in the human heart. You see, this isn't just something that we read or that's spoken to us. This is wired into our DNA. We were created with the attributes of God to long for something more. 
And you see, I think what happens is as we get into life, uh, we have work and, and we're kind of shooting for a goal and, and we're kind of wrapping our minds around what's closest to us, family and friends and all of these things. But there's also this longing inside of us that there has to be more. Has anybody ever felt that way? Like, man, I, this, there's just got to be something more. Like, as great as things are in our life, as much as we have, and, and, and as joyful it is to have uh, family and all these things, there's this longing and this, this depth inside of us that just says, man, there has to be more than 401ks and bank accounts, right? There has to be more than the big house and the big car. There has to be more. And the reason why is because there is. And Jesus planted that in us, a desire to want something bigger, to want something eternal. But you see, our, our natural response is governed by time, right? How many of you have a watch on right now, right? We look at that watch. As a matter of fact, I'm timing this message right now, so when we get about 28 minutes, uh, it nudges me, because so, then I'm about losing you right around that 28-minute mark, right? Because we're governed by time. So I might go to 32, but that's okay. But I mean, we set our alarm clocks in the morning, don't we? We have meetings that we have to go to on time, unless you're my wife. She likes to be like five minutes late, and I hate it. It bugs me so bad. But we, we govern everything with time. Uh, people get older. Uh, our, our, our hair gets grayer, right? We, we just get older, and eventually, we will fade away. And life comes at us so quickly. Us kids and hobbies and sports and, and all of these things, and our attention just goes on to the temporary. But you see, beyond all of that, there's this desire for more. And that's the eternal. That's what God wired into every single one of us. Now, have you ever just kind of stopped for a minute and, and had those things that you just wish you had a little bit more time of? I mean, more than just the, the, the silly things that we talked about. Like, I, mean, I think about this in my own life. You know, maybe it's a, a loved one that you just wish you had a little bit more time with, you know? Like, um, holiday seasons bring up, 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 if you have loss in your family, we recently lost our little brother two years ago, and I, I just wish that I had more time with him, just to tell him that I loved him, you know, like, and you may, you may have had that experience, but maybe it's in a relationship or an event, there's something that happened that you just loved, and you man, I just wish I had more time with that person, I wish I would have done more in my life, I wish I just would have done something bigger, we want we're left wanting more, and I believe that's because God created us that way. He put the eternal in us. He's planted that in us because there's something bigger than clocks and meetings and times. There's the eternal. And you know, for, for many of us, this idea of the eternal or eternity or everlasting is, is just something so far away that it's hard to grasp. I mean, have you ever just kind of thought and wondered, like, what's going to happen you know, I read about it in God's Word, you know, that, that when all of this is over, I'm going to go to heaven and there's going to be no time and it's going to be eternity. Does that kind of scare you a little bit? I mean, I've sat in my car and thought, man, I don't even know what to think about that. It kind of freaks me out a little, you know, because we're, we're here in the now and in the temporary, uh, but th that thing in us is like wondering and, and seeking and, and it's there is because God put that in us and he wants us to know that one day we get to spend eternity in his presence and eternal life isn't just something out there or distance, it, it's right there in us that we can grasp onto it. You know, and as unbelievable and miraculous that is, that our God would want that for us, He does. He does, and He created us that way. And so, 
you know, we look at this and we say, well, that's just a cool concept. So, so what does that mean for me practically? <laughs> you know, what does that mean for me if, if God is eternal and he's wired eternity in my heart and desire to long for something bigger? Well, what does that mean for me practically in everyday life? Well, I think when we begin to understand who God is in the eternal essence of who he is, we begin to see what he gives us through that eternal understanding. And, and there are really three things uh, that I think apply to us. The first is this, is that Jesus, the author of eternity, he gives us eternal joy. You know, this is a, a joy that is uh, a deep, sustaining joy. It's a joy that is bigger than just happiness or emotions. Right? There's a difference between uh, happiness or things that we love and experience and, and are grateful for and joy, which is something that goes beyond just feelings. It's sustaining. You know, uh, you know I think about things that happen in our life where they're difficult things. For those of us who are in Christ, we know that that's not the end of the story, right? That God gives us a joy that allows us to see through the difficulties. You know, we read about this in Hebrews 10, 34. It says, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. You see, what, what, what's being spoken here is this was highlighting those who were experiencing difficult times in their life, uh, difficult situations and circumstances, persecution. They were being jailed and things were being taken from them. And what he's saying in the middle of all of that is that in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can have a joy that is fulfilling. Even in the midst of difficult times and, and circumstances and situations, God allows us through his love and through his understanding to move past those things because of the joy that he gives us. Regardless of the mistakes that we've made or the things that we've done, uh, those things are, 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 are temporary and one day we'll have an eternal joy. Those mistakes don't define us. They don't define our future. God defines our future. And God can use our biggest mistakes and turn them into our greatest victories. He can use the most difficult circumstances in our life. He can use, you know, whatever he wants to that we view as difficult and as hurtful. And God can use those to make us the best us that we can possibly be. In fact, God promises us in Romans 8, 28, he says, for he will work all things for the good of those uh, that, that love him and have been called according to him and to his purposes. And so God can use your most difficult situations to bring about great joy. And you see, this isn't emotions and happiness. This is eternal, deep-rooted joy. And the reason why we can have that is through Jesus, the author of eternity, the author of joy. Jesus fills us with a sustaining joy. You know, many, many of you in this room know me pretty well, and I feel like I know you pretty well. And, and you know that there's been circumstances and situations in my life, in my wife's life specifically, where, uh, you know, there was a, a period in our life, a very dark time. Uh, my wife had some postpartum depression, and then she got onto medications and tried to come off those medications, and it was about a, a five-year period of just absolute darkness, you know, angry at God, you know, hurt <laughs> Wondering why God is allowing this to happen to my wife. I mean, she was probably feeling the same way. She, crying, you know, daily crying out to God. But, but she said something to me that just, that rocked me to the core. And, and it will always, it'll always stick with me. And it comes out of uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And it says, do not grieve. 
for the joy of the Lord is my strength. And she said that in the midst of all of those things, as bad as it was, as, as much as she didn't want to be here anymore or alive anymore, she lived by the truth that the joy of the Lord is what brings strength. God's joy, Jesus' joy, it comes in a form that gives us what we need. It gives us what fulfills and sustains. It brings us a joy that surpasses any difficult situation in our life. And that joy is for you, it's for me, it's for every single one of us. Jesus wants to give us that. And the next thing I think that, that we can see that Jesus gives us is he gives us eternal love. Now, Let's talk about things that come and go, right? Love is one of those things, right? I mean, my son, so he's, he's in eighth grade now, but we went into junior high, and if you have junior hires, it was like the first time I think he ever realized that he could now, there were girls, you know, it's some, it's like the junior high threshold, and so the girls and, uh, you know, a boy, you know what I'm talking about, right? And it was funny because I, I was a youth pastor for many years, and I could tell every parent how to raise their kid when it came to their teenager, but when it comes to your own kid, it just throw it out the window, right? And so, like, here we are battling with now teenage love, you know? And so, in our home, you're not really able to date exclusively. Uh, that doesn't mean that you don't date exclusively behind your parents' backs, right? <laughs> And so we're, we're pretty good at kind of monitoring and having an open forum, uh, but we found out very quickly that he introduced himself to girls, and they uh, used that word love very easily. We got a text message. In about a year period, there was about three relationships, and every single one of those girls told my son that they loved him. And you know what he said back? He, he didn't say, I love you too. He just said, you too, because I think he didn't know what to think. You know what I mean? Guys are a little bit different. And so we had this conversation with him. We're like, buddy, wh what's going on? Like, listen, there are, I mean, we've had this story, there are millions of fish in the sea, right? And, and all, love is, is fleeting and it'll fade away. And, and like, buddy, you need to understand that, that this is not the idea and understanding of love. And, and luckily, he's kind of went girl crazy and now he's kind of back on the right track. But then I begin to think of like the love that Jesus has for us. You know, the things that, that we have, that we have a, a love for something, and it just kind of fades away after time. You know, I know me, when you get a gift, you're like, you love it, and then after time, it's like, oh, it is what it is. I was having a conversation with a couple guys in the back. You know, Christmas comes around, and we give our kids these toys, and for the first little bit, like a bike, you put it on a kickstand, and it looks really good, and everything's neat and tidy, and about a week or so later, it's over in the corner on the ground, right? We know how it is. It's just that love kind of just fades away. But you see, the love that God has for us is an eternal love. It's a love that never ends. It's a love that, that regardless of our sin, regardless of what we have done to push God away, uh, regardless of, of anything that we have in our life, it has no limits, it has no bounds. It's an eternal love. It's a love that is overflowing. It has no capacity. It is a love that is for us. It's a love that, that gives us literally everything that we need. And we read about this in John 1.14. It says, so the word became human and made his home among us. Now that right there is extremely powerful. That God came and he came from heaven to earth. And when it says the word became human and made his home among us, it means that God stepped down from eternity in the form of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, and he made his home in us or, or, or around us. And here, let's take it a, a step further. What happens is when Jesus died and, and he gave his life but raised to new life, the Bible says that because he was God, he gave us the opportunity to be in relationship with God. And if we accept 
that sacrifice and we believe that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that then the Holy Spirit takes residence in us. John, or, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so if you think of the Old Testament, uh, the, Holy, uh, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit was where God dwelt. And so now, because Jesus came to this earth, he, he lived and he died and he raised to new life, God takes residence in us and we become the presence of God. We become the temple of the Almighty God. He lives and dwells within his people. And that is so unbelievably, uh, I can't even begin to think of a, a word to express that kind of love, that God would love us so much that he would enter into our world to live in us. And listen, that's, that's the good news about the Bible. That's the good news about the, the gospel. The, the love that God has for us sees us neck deep in our rebellion. He sees us neck deep in our sin, in our shortcomings. And, and instead of saying, I am God, I am mighty, I am holy, I am righteous, and you're a sinner, what he says is that I'm going to send my son to, to live a perfect life and to die a death that you deserve as a sinner on the cross so that we could be in relationship. That is the sure picture of love. You know, I, I think for many of us, we have this idea that we have to be good enough. <laughs> we have to do the right things. We have to say the right things. Or before we can even measure up to God, we have to be something. The, the truth is, nothing that we ever could do measures up to our righteous God. In fact, the Bible says that all of the good deeds that we do, the greatest deeds that we do, are like filthy rags to a holy God. And so the only way that we could be made right and made righteous in God's eyes is to accept his free gift that came through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's a demonstration of love. And you see, that love doesn't just get us by. That love is planted within us, and it lasts for eternity. We experience that for eternity. The last thing I think uh, is super important for us to understand is that Jesus then... Not only does he give us, you know, uh, a love and a joy, but, uh, but I think probably the most humbling thing is that Jesus gives us purpose. <laughs> he gives us eternal purpose. The living God, who am I that you would be mindful of me, that you would use me to point people to you. <laughs> that you would use me, God, that you would use my life, that you would use me as a father to, to raise my kids to love you, to honor you, that you would use me in my workplace to speak the truth in love and to point people to Jesus, that you would use me in my neighborhood, that you would use me wherever, God, that you would use me for an eternal purpose. And you see, when we begin to think there's got to be something more, there has to be something more in life, well, here it is. What's more in life is that God would use you for purpose, that he would use you to point people to him by helping people pursue God, by making disciples, by loving people the way Christ loves us. And you know, again, it's instant gratification where we fill our lives with stuff that we like, that we want, and, and then we're just waiting for more, like there's more, and it's right there in front of us. God is saying, I will give you eternal purpose. 28 minutes. I'm going to wrap it up now. You know, the disciples asked Jesus, they said, uh, God, how should we pray? Jesus, how should we pray? And he said, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know what that's saying? It's not saying that, hey, just go live 80, 90, 100 years and, and, and fill your life full of stuff. 
No, what it's saying is live in a way that you bring the kingdom of heaven down to this earth so that God's will could be done in the lives of those around you. That not only would he give you what you need, give you joy, give you love, but he would use you to give that to other people. That's eternal purpose. That's saying that everything matters. My life, uh, every meal, every moment, every relationship, everything matters. And am I maximizing everything that I have to point those around me to Jesus? Or am I living day by day to just experience my relationship with God or maybe my family, whatever it may, might be? It's thinking about the eternal. We'll end with this. The Apostle Paul said this to the Corinthians church, who I think had a tendency to kind of live for the temporary. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what, on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, he says, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, there is a bigger purpose. There is a, there is a bigger purpose for our lives here on earth. And when we begin to realize that, then everything that we do, we do understanding that God wants to use us. And so when we begin to long, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to, uh, to make a difference? Well, I'll tell you, be intentional in your marriage. Be intentional in parenting. Be intentional, intentional in evangelizing. Be intentional in the way that you live your life. If you're new and visiting, be intentional on how you seek God. Be intentional and then experience the love of God in a way that you've never done that before. Listen, wherever you're at here in this place, God is ready to give you his, his joy, his love, and he wants to use you to give that to other people. Please do not leave here without experiencing that today. Let's pray. Father, we're, we're humbled that so many years ago, you, you did the unthinkable. You came to earth. You sent your son Jesus to earth to do what we couldn't do, to do the impossible, to live a perfect life, a sin-free life, and to die a death that we deserve, and to raise a new life, God, so that it wouldn't just be a good story, but instead it would impact our life, and that we could be in relationship with the living God. God, for those in here today who are seeking and investigating, not by my words, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, would you show them your love that you have for them? God, for those of us who have been living for you, let it not just be going through the motions. Let this be a lifestyle that we would honor you in everything that we would do and we would point people to you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.